as I wake, there are choices to be made. Every day I face a new beginning. I can choose my own way or follow in your path, trusting you to know the end from the beginning. Knowing you fulfill the desires of my heart, that your strength might be shown in weakness. My heart's desire is to know you and your ways, to follow you as you teach me by your grace, to give my life as a sacrifice of praise, holy and pleasing unto you. You are my heart's desire. I cannot be moved standing on your word, wearing the garments of salvation. For the hope you've given me is an anchor to my soul giving me the strength to face tribulation knowing that you live here within my heart that your glory might find expression my heart's desire is to know you and your ways to follow you teach me by your grace to give my life as a sacrifice of praise holy and pleasing unto you my heart's desire is to know you and your ways to follow you as you teach me by your grace to give my life as a sacrifice of praise holy and pleasing unto you you are my heart's ask you to join me in prayer one last time before I get into the sermon this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your words and your wisdom that you give us, Lord. I pray that your words will come forth from the pulpit this morning, Lord, that you would be magnified, that you would be sought by each and every one of us, Lord, and that we would see you all the more as we grow in the grace and knowledge of you. Lord, make yourself known this morning. Manifest your power through doctrine, through understanding of you, and ultimately through your spirit, Lord. Let each and every one of us come to know you more this morning as we endeavor to learn more about your word. We magnify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
There's a famous Christian teaching, which I will share with you in detail this morning, that says, let your heart be knowledge and your life the teaching that your heart contains. I think, I think that's beautiful. Let your heart experience joy, freedom, peace, and all of that that comes from the knowledge of God, and then that teaching will naturally flow from your heart. So you see, we're called to be a people that have joy. We're called to be a people that have peace. Bless you. We're called to be a people that give blessings. We're called to, you know, again, invite that reality so it will naturally flow from us. You see, it's not something I imagine nobody in the room just tried to say bless you. It was something natural that happens. We're a people that should have a natural joy. We're a people that should be naturally blessing other people. We're a people that should have a natural desire to seek after God. We're a people that should have a natural desire to know more about God. And hopefully, all of that, we're a people that are to know more about this world. What's going on in this world? What's happening in this world? As we've been talking about being Christian around here lately... I cannot think of a phrase that best sums up the goal of the knowledge of God. Again, I'm going to repeat it. Let your heart be knowledge and your life the teaching that your heart contains. Beautiful. Please recite the following verse with me. I'm going to read it and I'm going to ask you to say it with me. It's Psalm chapter 5, verse 3, and it says this. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you. Can I ask us to repeat it? In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you. So I'm going to ask you, is that true? Are you being honest? Did you lay your requests before him this morning? Were you able to say that with conviction? Because that's the power of what we're reading in the word, is that, that those words can become my own. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you. You see, that's not only a just a nice little saying we could say when we read the Psalms in the morning. That's actually a command we're told to do. We're told to bring our request before our God. We're called to allow him to hear our voice. If we want to hear his voice, he wants to hear ours as well. We have to be speaking up as well. Actually, there's plenty of places in Scripture, just to let you know, that says he wants to hear our voice. Again, I've alluded to it a couple times this morning in Hebrews where it says he desires a sacrifice of fruitful, a praise of fruitful lips. He desires to hear that. So are we saying these things? Are we really living them? Is that my life? In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you. Well, your strength in that regard or your weakness in that regard has a lot to do with you seeing God at work in your life. If you're not laying your requests before God and he's not hearing your voice, that has a lot to do with where you're at right now in your walk. That has a lot to do with what you might be experiencing in regards to God's presence. Is he present? Are you convicted? Ask yourself these things. Because we're, we're here to talk about being Christian. You know that. We're here to repair ourselves from the junk that we could get all week out there and then come here to say, okay, I need to get rid of some of the dross, get rid of some of the nonsense that seems to be captivating my mind and instead fill my mind with the things I need to understand and know and believe and live and see at work in the world rather than the things, again, the world throws at us. Blessings come through discipline and responsibility. And that's the goal of a Christian life, to have blessings and to be responsible with them. Do you catch that? That's the goal of a Christian life, to have blessings and to be responsible with those blessings. Okay. I believe God has given each of us the opportunity to grow in discipline and to be more responsible with the blessings that we have. God has given us that. He, he wants us to do that. He wants us to be more aware of his blessing in our life and then to be responsible with the blessings that he's giving us, allowing us to use them for the blessings of other people, and then to acquire more blessings. 
That's what happens. That's, again, a Christian life is a beautiful thing. I want to detail for you to see, for, I want to detail this morning for you to see God as sovereign in every season. Again, that worship song that we sing needs to be more than just a worship song. You know, all of my life in every season, he is still God, and I have a reason to sing. How, how do we believe that? Do we really believe that when we sing it? That in all of my life, those moments, those days where I feel down, you know, I'll be honest, I had one of those days yesterday. I just didn't feel like God was my friend yesterday, as I talked about this morning. I'm like, why, is, why am I going through this type of a day? Why am I having a dark, dry day where I don't feel like God is just right next to me saying, come on, we got this. We're going to take over. And then I wonder, is God here? But then again, we sing it, right? We say, all of my life, in every season, I have a reason to sing because he is still God in every season. I want to explain that a little bit this morning. Maybe we'll get a little bit more clarity to see God at work in maybe seasons that we don't. Right? That's going to be the goal, to see God at work when we don't see him at work. I know everybody in this room, I've heard testimonies where you see God at work in your life. However, I've never really heard any of us detail the moments where we don't see God at work in our life. Because that's a scary place for Christians to go, right? It's a, God's always in my life, always at work. However, I don't believe that I'm the only person here that would say I have moments where I feel like, where is he? And I'm not alone in that. Actually, I'm not alone in that. And if you're familiar with your Bible, you know that a lot of people have had those moments. Seasons of life. We're going to clarify that this morning. And prayerfully, all of you will gain mastery over how to operate with God, how to live with the presence of God in every season. Because again, this is all a part of being Christian. We're Christians. People don't, the world doesn't really know. The more I, I get to talk to more people and the more I see God at work in what we're doing here, the more I realize that the world has no idea what we're doing here. None. They really don't. I, I talk to young people and I ask them, what do you know about church? And the things I hear, I'm like, that is not what Christianity is about. That is not us. So hopefully I'm going to give you some clarity this morning. First passage I want to turn to is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You heard a little bit about this from me last week. I want to bring us to it again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 16 to 24. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Thessalonica, says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit, your soul, your body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. So, obviously, the one thing I'm really harping on in this passage is we're called to rejoice, we're called to be pray, prayerful people, we're called to, have, to know that God would keep us and that he'll bring us through everything. So keep that in mind as we go through any seasons. We're called to know that in no matter what season we're in, we're to rejoice, no matter what season we're in, we're to pray. We're always to give thanks for what God has given us because that is the will of God. You hear how often people say, I don't know what the will of God is. What is the will of God? Well, let's read it one more time. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So God's will for our lives is for us to be appreciative of what he's given us. Again, I mentioned that a little bit in our Sunday school this morning, that God's good enough needs to be our good enough. You see, God has a will and a, a way he looks at this world, a worldview, if you may. He looks at this world through a certain lens. He looks at us 
through a certain lens. He looks at us a certain way. The question we need to ask ourselves is, are we looking at the world and are we looking at ourselves the way God's looking at us? Because if we're not, that's where confusion comes in, lack of peace, lack of understanding, chaos, and devastation as what we see in our society. So we have to get a better picture of what that is. And again, I I don't think that verse gives us all the answers, right? It's like, okay, so the will of God is to thank him. But it is to be thankful. And I'm going to tell you how to live in that that thankfulness this morning. Examine everything carefully. Do not quench the spirit. So this has been a a really big thing for me lately. Do not quench the spirit. Because, you know, this is a former Baptist church. We're not exactly the people that are on the front lines of talking about spiritual promptings and spiritual things. You know, we're more of a dogmatic, um, read the Bible, allow the Bible to inform our understanding. Don't get carried away with the spiritual promptings, please. I still agree with that. However, I do believe we need to pay a little bit more attention to the promptings. However, I think most of us will probably agree, I don't really know how to recognize a prompting from God. I don't really know what is God saying, when is he talking, when is he not. I guess one way I want to qualify that is God is always talking. Always talking. We might not hear him, but he's always talking. God always speaks. Always. Eternal word. So I want us to catch that because I, I find myself saying sometimes that God's not speaking to me right now. No, God is speaking to me. I'm not hearing whatever God is speaking to me. That's the key. So... Spiritual prompting. I'm not, I'm not 100% on them, though. I don't really know how to recognize them. And hopefully this morning, maybe by the end of me preaching up here, you'll know and I'll know. Because right now I don't. So I'm hoping to give you some clarity and to help you understand as I'm trying to understand myself. So this series, Being Christian, as most of our series and sermons, was led by spiritual promptings. It was led by me, and this is my understanding of a spiritual prompting. We, uh, about three months ago, I began to have a lot of meetings where they were saying, I don't know if Mike Miano is a Christian. So yeah, believe it or not, there's a lot of people that don't know that. You know, I believe in some strange stuff. You know, Jesus came back, and uh, there might not be an eternal conscious place called hell. Um, I believe in a lot of strange things. That puts me outside the box of what most people are calling Christian, right? So as people begin to have these debates of whether or not I'm Christian, I begin to ask myself, you know, wait a minute, am I a Christian? Like, you know, am I Christian? And I went to Acts chapter 13. I said, okay, well... The disciples of Jesus were called Christians at Antioch. Okay, check. Now I need to figure out, what did those disciples believe? What did they know? What did they understand? How did they live? What was the goal of their lives? In contrast to, I guess, the rest of the world. And I began to go on a journey. And then I said, I'm going to take our church on a journey. And we're going to learn what it means to be Christians. And that's what we've been doing. I've been bothering you and emailing you and messaging each and every one of you about verses, characteristics, I need everything. I need to know your favorite verse. I want to know more about your life. I want to know everything. Because I want to know what it means to be a Christian. And I want us together. I don't believe I'll ever have the wisdom by myself to know what it means to be a Christian. I don't believe any of you ever will have the answers to know what it means to be a Christian. Because as I mentioned last week, I can't see behind me. I can't see the stain on the back of my pants. And neither can you. So what we need to do is remind each other on what it means to be a Christian. God did not say, I'm going to make myself known through this person. He said, I'm going to make myself known through the church because the church is going to be the answer to what it means to be a Christian. We're going to help each other figure out what it means to be Christian, and that's what we've been doing. I've been taking all your characteristics. I've been taking your quotes. You know, me, I have the privilege of every, everybody in the room, for the most part, has given me verses and traits, and I have the privilege of waking up every morning and saying, am I a Christian? And going through all those traits and seeing, have you people, quote, thank you for calling me a Christian, by the way. Thank you. Um, So again, that's been the challenge. How can I grow in regards to what we're calling Christian? And what are we calling Christian? Is it that you believe 
Jesus is going to come and end the world, and one day he's going to send all the bad people to burn in hell? Because that's what they think out there. That's exactly what they think. So I've been spending more and more time around people that are not necessarily quote-unquote Christian to try to figure out, well, how do we live more consistent as Christians? And that's been the goal of this series. This was a spiritual prompting. That's how I felt the spiritual prompting happened in my, happens in my life. I go to meetings. They tell me I'm not a Christian. All of a sudden, God gives me this bubbling moment to challenge me. Are you a Christian? Look into it. Find out. And there went a spiritual prompting. And I said, I'm going to take our church on a journey. And we've been doing it for three months now, examining it. I, didn't get, you know, I don't get memos on how to be a pastor. They don't get emailed to me. So uh, when I ask you, you know, what are your favorite Bible verses and what are some traits, that's stuff that God's dealing with me on. You see, that's his, I guess you could say I get a spiritual email from God is my uh, spiritual promptings. There you go. I think I like that. We already got clarity, right? A spiritual email from God would be a spiritual prompting. So I've asked all of you to provide verses, traits, namely because I firmly believe that the knowledge of God, the promptings of God, are best made known by a group of people. Because if it's not a group of people, all I know I'm going to do is lean upon my own understanding. My mind will always lead me to lean upon my own understanding without you. So thank you. That's why we're the body of Christ. That's why we're the church. That's why we come here. That's why this is called being Christian. Because we come here to do that for each other. I, I get blessed each and every week to hear people say, man, I could learn from everybody in that church. And I always say, I think we got this church thing wrong. They think the pastor, he's the guy that's going to teach us. That's not the way it works here. I don't know if any of you know that. I learned more from all of you. I've been discipled by Blue Point Bible Church. So, you know, again, this is, we, we need to come to clarity on regards to this, uh, in regards to the promptings of God. And I think the best way we do that is here, with each other. Not by myself, not trying to figure it out in my room, not sitting in my prayer closet, none of that. Sitting here with a group of believers that are going to admonish me, encourage me, edify me, rebuke me, correct me, all the things that we're called to do. That's how we find out what it means to be a Christian here, in this place. Not you reading your Bible at home. That's not how you're going to find out how to be a Christian because you're just going to lean upon your own understanding of those verses. We need to do it together as a people. God has provided this. He said, Ephesians 3.15, I will make known the manifold wisdom through the church. That was the will of God. So in the midst of jumping into this series, I also came across Chase the Lion with Mark Batterson, which again has created all kinds of spiritual promptings in my own walk. I didn't plan for it. It's just going through to the knowledge of God. Unfortunately, will provide or, well, fortunately, will provide promptings. That's what's going to happen. The more you learn, the more promptings you're going to have. If you feel really dry, maybe you need to pick up a book. Learn something. Ask me. I'll give you one. I have plenty. So the promptings of God provided by the community, I must say as a man that's pretty sensitive to spiritual promptings, I have no idea what God's around, uh, doing around here right now. And right now, my season right now, I have no idea. God is blessing me, bringing things in, new ideas, new people, Fresh perspectives, confusing perspectives, um, everything, and I have no idea, and I'm okay with that. That's what I want. That's where I want to go with this this morning. Is I don't know what God's doing, but I'm fine with it, and I want you to be fine with what God's doing when you don't know what He's doing. Even when you feel like you're in a season, maybe it seems like God's not doing anything, or maybe it looks like He's wreaking havoc on your life because He does that too. But we have to say, every season He is still God. In every season, even the moments where I feel like God is hitting my life with a sledgehammer and believe me I've been there well I used to say that when God when you ask God to move into your life God has no problem with like you know you picture a glass house just here I am you know let me fix some things around your house you just demolish the whole thing so the other day I was obedient to what I understood to be spiritual promptings to make a video regarding understanding the times 
somebody had asked me, you know, what is going on in the world in regards to Bible prophecy? I think they probably got the wrong person to ask that question to. Um, I think they were looking for something different. Um, where are we in regards to Bible prophecy? What's going on in the world? What needs to go on in the world? What needs to happen out there? That's another very thing, uh, important thing to be sensitive to. It's not only who is God, what, what is this world, um, what does God want to happen in the world, what does he want us to be doing in this world? You know, what, those are important questions for us to ask. We need to know all of these things. In that video, the two verses I had highlighted was 1 Chronicles 12.32, where it talks about the tribe of Ishakar. The tribe of Ishakar, they knew the times and they knew what Israel should do. That stood out to me. They knew the times and they knew what Israel should do. Because you only know what you need to do when you know the times. Catch that. You only know what you need to do when you know the times. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 calls the Christians the children of light, the children of the day, that they would not need to be informed about the times because they know that their God is sovereign. He says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Now, as to the times and epochs, brethren, you have no need that they be written to you. Why? Because God's sovereign in every season, no matter what was going on in Thessalonica. God doesn't need, they don't need to know. They know that they're children of light. They don't, the day of the Lord that they've been warned about will not overtake them as a thief in the night. You see, they already know what's going on. They know what's about to happen. So God doesn't need to tell them. And, and, you know, they're not like the children of the darkness, the children of the night that are being led about, having no idea what is going on in the world. And I fear all too often Christians have no idea what is going on in the world. That does not make us children of light. That makes us children of darkness, confused. We are not called to be that. That is not Christian. To hear people say, I don't know what's going on in the world and uh, I don't know where God is, that is the most unchristian thing you can say. Because we're not called to be that. We're called to be a people no matter what season we're in in our individual life. Because, again, I notice a lot of times my view on the world comes from my view on my own life. You see, things are going messy in my life, in my season. So I begin to say that the world's a mess. The world's a bad season. And, you know, that everything's chaos. No, that has more to do with me. So what I need to do primarily is figure out what God's doing with me in the season I'm in. That way I'll have a better perspective of what's going on out there. You see, don't allow your confused reality to become that confused reality of what God's doing in our world. We, we can't do that. We need to know the times. We need to have clarity in regards to the times that we're in. Other, Christ, other Christian leaders um, focusing on a more empowering, encouraging worldview would encourage you to do things such as chase the lion, Mark Batterson. Joyce Meyer would have you to seize the day. Some would say live on purpose, make each day count, and there's a host of other sayings I could probably provide. That's what Christians are supposed to be doing. Catch it again. Christians are supposed to chase the lion. You're supposed to seize the day. You're supposed to make every opportunity count. And you're supposed to live on purpose. That's every season. That's how we demonstrate the sovereignty of our God, is by living that way. However, if we do not know the times, we will not know what we need to be doing. So let's talk about life seasons real quick. Um, you know, most of the time people are kind of funny about, you know, well, seasons. What does that mean? Well, I look at the world and I know that the world goes through seasons. Some seasons I notice people's attitudes change. Um, you, you know, people do different things in different seasons. And I look at my life and I say, well, that's weird. My life, I had the same thing. Certain seasons of life, certain uh, events in my life, I have a certain attitude toward. I do certain things in some seasons that I don't do in others. Um, I might share some. Um, lately, I've been in a season of growth, right? So um, sometimes the promptings, the way that God deals with me, I'll, I'll tell you two personal things. Um, well, I guess I'm always in a season of growth. Let me just say that. I'm always in a season of growth. However, for promptings, sometimes I notice in my life, I'll, I'll go through a moment where it seems like, and I'm going to put this in quotes, God's not speaking, right? It seems like I'm just there. 
just stuck in a rut. Like, what, what is God doing? And then I have moments again where I'm flying high with Jesus, I'm seated with him in heavenly realms, and I'm, I'm reigning and ruling. So for me, the key has been, and I'm going to tell you how I've gained mastery over seasons, how you can make that song true, is if we recognize our God is in charge, our God is there in every season, he's always speaking, he's always doing something, and we have clarity on what he thinks about this world, that it's good, beautiful, unfortunately tarnished by the carnal mind of man, in every season I could see, okay, well, there's something about my mind, there's something about the way I'm thinking about this season, this whatever's going on, that I need to change. I need to have a more wholesome perspective. And what God does with me in those moments, well, what I've learned about those moments, um, for me would be, uh, all right, I, I read a lot. So I have moments where, for some reason, no matter what I read, it makes no sense. It's not speaking to me. I'm not encouraged by it. Just, I'm just stuck. And I used to worry. When I used to have those moments, I used to get worried. I'd be like, oh, gosh, am I sinning? Is it, did, I, did I do something wrong? God's not speaking anymore. Maybe this is false. Maybe I've been making this up the whole time. I go crazy in my mind. My mind goes, keeps running. You know? Maybe I just made this whole thing up. Maybe it was a good run. Right? Maybe it's all false. Maybe I just made this whole thing up. And I start getting in these crazy ruts. And then all of a sudden, I, what I've learned in my walk is, hey, hey, God's in charge. It doesn't matter if you always have the front line and understand what he's doing. He's in charge. He's still speaking. Sit down and quiet down. And I learned that, you know what a lot of times what that means for me? Is God wants me to see something. He doesn't want me to read another book. He doesn't want me to learn something else. He's saying, pay attention. Pay attention. Stop reading. Put the book down. So I have those moments where I'm so dry that I don't know. What I've taught myself is sit down, watch a movie. Sit down and watch a movie and relax. I've declared God's sovereignty over those moments. So when I'm having the stinking thinking, I say, okay, well, maybe that's how my stinking thinking works, by the way. I can't read. I don't know what your, your version might be. On me, it's I can't read and I'm not encouraged because most of my life I'm reading and I'm encouraged. So when I'm not reading and I'm not encouraged, I'm like, where is God? What is he doing? And I used to, again, I used to create all those problems of, you know, he's not working through me. He's not doing anything. He's, he's gone. And then I finally realized, no, if I have a knowledge of what God is doing, he's always working, always doing something. It's not, it's not God. It's me. Relax. Calm down. He's sovereign. All of my life, in every season, I will declare he is God, not I'm in charge and I know what's going on. I don't always have to know what's going on in the world. I have to know what's going on in my world. I have to know what's going on in my reality. Am I listening to the promptings of God? Because I know what? If I'm not, I get those moments, that rut, where I'm stuck and I don't know what God, you know, God, are you around? Are you here? I feel like the prophets of Baal sometimes. You know, where is he? Sleeping. So, um... Again, that's how God deals with me in these promptings and in different seasons of my life. It's only when, I'm going to give you three things here. Actually, I'm to, first I want to remind you of some verses. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, We are confident in Christ that his work in us will be fruitful and he will carry it to the end. I paraphrased it for you. That's what it says, that the work of God that God's doing in us, primarily the church of Philippi, however, us also, the work that he's doing in us, he will complete it. He will bring it to an end. Right? He will, meaning he'll bring it to the fruitful end. He's promised us salvation. He will bring us to eternal salvation. Right? He's just continuing that work through us. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 reminds us that we are not to become weary in good, doing good because God, who is faithful, will reward us when that time comes. And then Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17 is an ex- exhortation to the church at Ephesus and as well to us to be careful how we live to be wise, to make the most of every opportunity, and to understand the Lord's will. And if you don't remember the Lord's will, you just go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and you remind yourself that you're called to be grateful in everything. You're called to give thanks about everything. So 
Be confident that his work is in us, it's through us, and he's going to complete it. I do not become weary in doing good because I know that he is a rewarder of those that do good and he will bless us because he's faithful. And I'm going to be careful how I live. I'm going to be wise. I'm going to make the most of every opportunity because I understand God's will. It's only when you are listening. I'm going to give you three antidotes here. It's only when we are listening to the promptings of the Spirit in the season that we are currently in. You know, it's not about I I used to listen to the Spirit when things were going great. Now all of a sudden I'm in a dry spell and I don't want to listen to the Spirit. But the Spirit used to tell me it doesn't work like that. Where are you right now? What is God saying to you right now in your life? Where is he challenging you? Where is he speaking to you? What is he trying to break? What is he trying to build? What is he doing? You have to know. If you don't know, pray more. Pray more, read more. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that as I close. So the first thing is if we are listening to the promptings of the Spirit, the season that we are in, we will be confident in what God is doing in and through us. Did you catch that? If it's only when we are listening to the promptings of the Spirit in the season that we are in that we will be confident in what God is doing in and through us. So if you're not confident, you know what you're doing wrong. You're not listening to the promptings of the Spirit the season that you're in. It's only when we are listening to the promptings of the Spirit in the season that we are in that we will not become weary in doing good and reap a harvest. You have to keep doing it. It's only when we're listening to the, we know the season we're in and we know what God is speaking to us about. It's only when we are listening to the promptings of the Spirit in the season that we are in that we are able to exercise biblical caution, live with wisdom, make the most of every opportunity, and understand the Lord's will. You have to listen to the promptings of the Spirit in the season that you are in. You have to. Mark Batterson says, the best way to hear the voice of God is through the word of God. I like that. I want people to read their Bible. That works for me. The best way to hear the voice of God is through the word of God. This is where the rubber really meets the road for as far as living out Christianity, though. Sadly, we as a Christian community are not united in regards to what we believe the word of God teaches. We are not a united group which is evident in the state of Christianity all over the modern world. So divided. Nobody seems to know what we're saying or how we're saying it. Most do not understand the full story. Instead are content with taking pieces of the story, modifying other pieces of the story, leaving Christianity in shambles as a that-works-for-you religion. That works for you. Glad that works for you. How many times has anybody, anybody else hear that? I'm glad that works for you. That's, I, get, you know, I feel like my blood boiling when people say that to me. No, no, no. This isn't my own religion. I didn't make this up. So, however, on the flip side, you have those like me or us who demand to read the full story in line with audience relevance in the grand narrative, not picking out our favorite parts and finding application, but instead understanding the grand narrative, the bigger story, and allowing God to invite us into that story. I have to say, I saw the dilemma throughout this week as I witnessed how a beginner might be immersed into our Bible studies, I have to say. (laughs) Biblical wisdom, how does it work? What does it provide? Well, I'll tell you this. The Bible is revealed wisdom. It's revealed wisdom from God. It's a God providing an answer to a man-made problem. I will lean upon my own understanding and create who I want God to be, what I think about the world, what I think about you all, Um, I could create my own understandings of that. Or I could allow the revealed understanding, the revealed wisdom from God to inform my perspective of the world, of you all, of myself, etc. That's the key. When we offer biblical wisdom, what we're saying is don't lean upon your own understanding. Don't answer it yourself. Don't make up your own answers. Don't be content with what you know you made up. No, prove all things. Listen to the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to push you forward to learn more. Maybe the Spirit's asking you to look into other things. Maybe it's not always what we're doing here at church, Genesis chapter 1 through 5. 
Maybe the Spirit wants you to look at something that happens in the end. Maybe the Spirit wants you to take into consideration some details that are found about self-control or whatever it might be. But you know that. You, each and every one of you know that, where God's dealing with you, what his promptings for you are. So we have revealed wisdom. We have a foundation, right? The Word of God, the Bible. We have the collective church, which is used to bring about the promptings of the Spirit. You see, because it's here where I learn from each and every one of you, and God works with me through the conversations we have here. That's why this is all important. This isn't something you could do in a closet by yourself somewhere else. It's not possible. One of the ways that I, this week I realized, um, in talking to people about the Bible, most Bible studies you go to, they would tell you, uh, what, what's going on in your life? Let's find five verses that we could just kind of make happen in your life, right? That's usually a Bible study. You'll show up, and I'll talk to you. I'll get to know a little bit about you, and we'll jump into Ephesians chapter 4. I'll read it, and then we'll find a way that it relates to all of us. Great, great. Um, unfortunately, that sounds like a lot of times leaning upon your own understanding of those verses. So what we do here at our church is we invite you into the big story, right? We go through the work of the labor and the work of understanding what it meant to the original audience. So then a guy comes in from the, the streets, you know, out there in the world, and he's dealing with all kinds of junk that he's dealing with out there. And I tell him, here we are to study Genesis chapter 4 and 5 and learn about Sumerian King's List. See the problem? So God's teaching me something. That in the midst of that grand story that we teach, that is our Bible, the foundational wisdom of God, there comes a point where we have to be sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit and what God wants to do in and through us. We have to become sensitive to see, what is God saying to me through this young man or young woman that he's bringing into our church? What do I need to say? What is God saying for, to me for them? That's our charge, each and every one of us, not just me. I'm not the only one that has to have a verse for everybody. We all have that charge. All of us have that command to be those people. That's how this works. So what I did realize this past week in talking about our Bible study is what we need to remind people to do is, first off, Christianity is not a religion. This isn't something that you could jump into, and we're going to give you some behavior modification, and, uh, you know, we'll change your life. That is not the goal here. That's not what we do. What we tell people to do is you come here, and you have to die to yourself because your mind is ready to supply what the world's like, who God is. Your mind will give you a bunch of different, you know, interpretations. As John Calvin has it says, he says, the mind is a manufacturer of idols. We will continue to make it up every day. So it is not a religion that we get to make up and add some modification to our life. Bless you. Instead, what we're doing is we have a biblical narrative, a story that God has given us in regards to how we can fix what our mind is willing to make up. That I don't have to look at it through my own lens because, you know, honestly, at 32 years old, I'm not content with what my mind makes up. And I hope none of you are either. So... What we're telling people is you have to die to that. You have to get rid of that wisdom. You have to get rid of that stuff you're willing to make up, the way you view the world, the way you think you're supposed to live your life, the way you view God, the way you view what you're supposed to do on Sunday morning, all of that. I had to add that in there. So, um, you know, again, that we need to die to that. We're telling people you need to die. So then when they come here, they die. The next thing we have to do is give them something to pick up. And we say, why don't you focus on the narrative of God, the biblical story? Because if you focus on the biblical story... God will begin to give you those promptings to speak to the other areas of your life. But if you do not have a foundation, you remember what Jesus said? Anybody remember what Jesus said about those who do not have a foundation or a bad foundation? All right. So if you, we have somebody that comes here, unfortunately, they have no foundation, and they do not submit to the knowledge of God, what ends up happening? The storms come, and we watch their house. You know, there you go because you didn't have a foundation. So what we do is we tell people to come here, learn the knowledge of God, allow that to be your foundation, 
die to yourself, and then you'll experience the newness of life. You'll begin to be born again, as we got to talk about yesterday. Are you born again? What does it mean to be born again? You must die before you can be born again. Jesus made that pretty clear in John chapter 3. So we're inviting people to die, come here, get brought into the narrative of God, right? the truth of God, found throughout the word of God, and then through that renewing, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, the renewing of your mind through the word, we believe that they'll begin to experience spiritual promptings, and they'll begin to have that newness of life that God invites them into. I really challenged myself on that in that regard. To a spiritual prompting, what do the people of God need to hear? And I felt that today this was something we did need to hear. We need to be aware of the seasons in our life, the spiritual promptings that are coming. And yes, we need to understand why we focus on the grand narrative of the Bible in contrast to pulling out a bunch of verses and maybe just trying to figure them out. No, we need to understand the big story, the grand story. I'm not alone in this, actually. I did some research. I found one of the um, er, one of early writings. It's a letter, from a, a letter to a man named Diognetus. And uh, what it is is um, a friend of Diognetus is encouraging him how to grow in the faith. And I just want to read you the first a couple sentences. He says this, I see, most excellent Diognetus, the exceptional desire you have to learn the method of worshiping God that prevails amongst the Christians. You inquire about them with great care and sincerity, seeking to determine what God they trust in and what type of religion they observe that allows them to look down upon the world and to despise death all the while rejecting both those who are esteemed as gods by the Greeks and the superstition of the Jews. I thought that was a good introduction into what Christianity is offering. Christianity is saying we don't trust in any of the gods or the superstition of the Jews, the demand to follow the law of Moses, and they say, you know, you must be circumcised. We don't, we don't do that. We despise death because we know that we have life and life to the full. And we despise the world because we know the world is offering something that is lacking. They claim they offer life. Do you know that? This world offers, I know you all know that. This world claims it offers us life, life to the full. But then all of us have lived there and we, all we've seen is devastation. You ever try to turn that God switch off and just look at the world for, for how ugly it really is? I challenge you to do that this week. But then turn the light switch back on and then look at it through God's lens. So, in closing, I want to thank you all and praise God for the privilege of pastoring such a God-led crowd. I've seen us in our seasons. I've seen the spirit of the Lord at work in us and through us. We are called to make disciples by being disciples, and I believe God is doing exactly that. Normally, pastors would be sort of nervous to begin making lists of traits and verses that outline what it means to be a Christian, probably because they don't want to look at themselves. However, also, in the event that it would cause a rather religious conundrum for people, you know, turning this place into behavior modification, self-righteousness, religion... Churches do that. They create these lists. However, you're such a blessing. Each of the traits, the verses have already been a blessing to me as I made known earlier. And I look forward to challenging each and every one of us with those verses and traits. So what we're going to be doing for the next coming weeks throughout the month of October is you're going to come in, you're going to look at that board up there, and it's going to have some ways that you could grow in wisdom, ways you could grow in self-control, ways you could rejoice a little bit more in your life, ways you, your effective communication might need to enhance, ways... Um, Etc. Cetera, et cetera. I could go down the list. Most of you know the things you provided. So I'm going to challenge us in those areas. How can we begin to grow? I've been giving you the consistency principles. I pray most of you have found the opportunity to go on the websites and um, check out the consistency principles. Um, I think we're up to number four. I'm going to be ending the consistency principles because next month I'm going to be inviting us into a little bit different of a picture of what it means to be a Christian. I once heard it said, Now that I know Jesus, I can boast in my weakness. Prayerfully, each of you leaves here saying that. 
Now that I know Jesus, I can boast in my weakness. I know maybe I don't listen to spiritual promptings when I need to. I know maybe I don't even know what a spiritual prompting is. If I'm speaking to you, you know, deal with it. Now that I know Jesus, I can boast in my weakness. I'm not telling you this to make, be hard on you. I'm not telling you this to make you feel bad about yourself. I'm telling you this because you could boast in your weakness because Jesus will be the one to bring you, bring you to where you need to be. So let's say you say, I'm, I'm in a season and I'm not feeling the promptings of God. Seek Jesus. Boast in your weakness that you do not know. And as James 1 tells us, ask for wisdom. That's how we get that fixed. Simply put, we are not perfect people and we are not living in perfect circumstances. However, there's no such thing as perfect people. And dare I say, there's no such thing as a perfect circumstance. However, when we discern the spiritual promptings in our life and we know the seasons that we are called to walk in, we have the opportunity to see God's perfection happen in our lives and in our circumstances. Amen? Join me in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you convict each and every one of us, that we would be more open to spiritual promptings, Lord, things you might have us look into, things you might have us understand a bit more, days that you might have us just sit down and listen to you, observe the natural beauty of your creation, or maybe you are telling us to pick up a book and learn something new. Lord, lead us to understand those spiritual promptings all the more. Lead us to relish and, and say that you are the God, the one true God, in every season we find ourselves in. That we would know you are sovereign and we could exalt you and praise you even when we seem that we're in valley moments or in despair. Ultimately, Lord, we know that you are here, you are there, you are present, and you are alive. Thank you for giving us that spirit, Lord. Exhort us in that. Encourage us. Build us up. Allow us to see you at work in our lives all the more this week as we pay attention, as we give a, a close ear to you, Lord, and be open to where you're at work. We thank you for all that you do, Lord. We magnify you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.